Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Dan actually had a youth barbecue on Friday. All the youth group is their last one of this kind of term before they break up for summer. And they all had a barbecue around at Tim's house. Um, and if you've noticed Dan this morning, you might see he's got a bit of a wound on his leg. He's got a bit of a wound on his leg. And this was fresh, fresh when he went to the barbecue on Wednesday. Uh, and one of the boys, the 12-year-old boys at youth, went up to Dan. Dan is the youth leader, by the way. Uh, and was like, hey, Dan, did you, did you get that in a fight? Did you get it in a fight? Apparently, um, uh, the, the, the 12-year-old boys that you think that their youth leader might get in a fight. Um, but when Dan told him, no, this is an injury from the gym, uh, I, didn't, I didn't get in a fight, the boy said, apparently, oh, man, that would have been so cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and when Dan came back and we told him about, he told me about this, we just kind of discussed for a bit how, what it must be like to live in that world of a 12-year-old boy um, where, you know, these physical fights are so often that... Um, you know, it would be cool, um, and it was just kind of part of his world, and we thought, as adults, I can't remember the last time I got into any kind of physical fight. I mean, I don't know what you guys do outside of the <laughs> church service on a Sunday, but for us, we thought, you know, as adults, it's not really something we're regularly faced with. Maybe we, we do martial arts, or we have a, a really annoying sibling, but really, we don't get into any kind of physical, physical combat, any hand-to-hand, uh, hand-to-hand combat or physical conflicts. These aren't commonplace in our lives, but I think if you talk to someone about what battles have they been facing recently, um, people will still have an answer to give you. These aren't physical battles that we experience usually as adults, but we're constantly battling with our health, with our, our mental health, with vices that we have within our relationships and also with ourselves. Um, and today, this morning, we're going to take a look at how the Bible tells us, what the Bible tells us about how to stand strong when we're in battles. Probably not physical battles, but we're going to explore what these could be for us. So uh, if you've been with us uh, over the last few months, we've been going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, I hope you noticed that's what we were doing anyway, because uh, we've just come to the end of our series uh, this week. Um, uh, so I had the privilege of, of closing up uh, Ephesus, the book of Ephesus this morning. Um, so I'm just going to give a, a very brief recap over what we've been learning about what Paul has to say to us um, in, in the letter to the Ephesians. When, when we started this kind of uh, sermon series, we, we heard a lot about um, our sitting. We hear the good news of Jesus, what he's done for us, conquering death, dying on the cross and rising again, and that we are now seated with him in the heavenly realm. Our identity is in Jesus, and we cannot do anything to earn our salvation. We sit, rested in the knowledge that salvation is by grace through faith. We then heard a lot about walking. Tim talked to us a lot about about how we walk, that Jesus' followers are, are to walk worthy of their calling, to walk in love and in wisdom, and that the good news of Jesus is to be lived out in our marriage relationships, our family, our work life, and our culture. So we're seated in the heavenly realms, but our our walk with Christ is here on earth. And now we're going to finish up today by standing. We're going to be strong in the Lord and standing firm against the devil and the spiritual forces 
of evil. That's where we're going today. So we've sat, we've walked, and we're now standing. Um, so our passage today, if you want to follow along, is from Ephesians 6 uh, in verse 10. And it says, hopefully behind me. Brilliant. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so when that day of evil comes, that you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So our our sermon title today is Armed in Christ. Um, And I'm not sure how you felt this morning when you sat here and listened to that that passage, uh, those kind of language of of spiritual warfare, of the devil, of demons, of evil spirits. I think um, for some of us it can conjure up different responses based on our experiences, our emotions to, to this kind of imagery and this kind of language in the Bible. Um, And I think generally we can fall into two categories. First category, this is totally normal for you. This this language is quite frequent in in your household, in your your friends and family conversations, and you're very comfortable with this idea. Perhaps even in your culture, um, these are fairly standard ideas, whether you're Christian or not. Um, But I think we can also fall into another camp where these kind of things, this language, this imagery of, of the spiritual warfare... It makes you a bit unsure. You're a bit uncomfortable, perhaps. It's unfamiliar to you. You did not grow up with it or it wasn't part of your larger culture. And perhaps you grapple with the realism of it or or separating it from from superstition or or maybe even horror movies. Um, I think I would be quick to admit that I I fall into that latter category. I didn't grow up with this kind of language. And for me, these concepts were quite alien to me and they mainly were associated with quite weird people um, that I'd interacted with. This is my experience of it. So when I come to read these words in the Bible, um, I I don't quite know what to make of it sometimes. But I've grappled with it a lot in recent years, um, and I've come to a place, I think, that's not quite dissimilar to how I think about the internet. Um, Bear with me on this one. And uh, see if you agree with me. I have no idea how the internet actually works. Like, I use it all the time, don't get me wrong. But when I think about it, when you think, when you think how, how does it work? What's it made of? How does it travel? Is it in the air? What happens if I turn off the electricity? Is it electric? I honestly don't know. I literally don't know. I'm sure someone could tell me, but I have no clue. But I interact with it every day. I get my emails. I watch my TV through it. I get deliveries. Uh, I even use it for directions. It's almost ingrained into my whole entire life now. Um, And even though I have no idea how it works, it's quite unfamiliar to me, I don't understand it. Its effects are tangible in my life. I know it's real because of the outputs that I experience, despite not being able to see it or to be able to understand it fully. And I think 
In some ways, that's true in this context, too. The effects of spiritual evil are undeniable. Uh, So even when we struggle to comprehend all the specific details and the realities, we can know it's real because we can see the devil's schemes as so visible in the world around us, even heartbreakingly so. But more than that, the Bible is undeniable in the truth that we are in the middle of a spiritual battle. But if we're in a battle, who are we against? Who, who is our enemy? And the Bible says, ultimately, we are fighting against the devil. But who is that? What is that? What is this concept for us? Um, and if we, if we look through the entire Bible, the Old Testament and the New, um, the Old Testament, um, we're introduced to the word Satan. Um, and this translates loosely as the, as the adversary, as the enemy. So Satan is the enemy, the opposer. And then in, in the Greek, um, the word devil comes from the Greek word diabolos, which is a verb meaning to lie or to slander. Um, so who are we up against? We're against the enemy who is the voice of deception and of lies. And I don't want to spend too long dwelling, dwelling on this concept, but if we are on board with the fact this morning that we are in a spiritual battle, it's so important to know what we're going to be up against And ultimately, the purpose of the enemy is is to hinder the work of God and the work of his people. Uh, And the Bible tells us two main strategies we must be aware of um, when we encounter the enemy. And the enemy uses two main strategies, sorry. Firstly, it is to tempt. And secondly, it's to accuse. Reverend Tim Keller puts it this way, uh, quite simplistic, to, to try and understand and grapple with these ideas. And he says, when you are tempted... The devil's lies give you too high a view of yourself that you just do things that you shouldn't. Whereas when you are accused, the devil's lies give you too low a view of yourself that you do things that you shouldn't. He goes on to explain that when you are tempted into sin, the lies you are told deceive you into thinking that this thing that you know you shouldn't do, it's, sure, it's worth it. It's worth it. I deserve this, actually. Or maybe even, yeah, this, this thing, it's really worth it now. I'm not going to think about those long-term consequences. Or you're deceived into thinking that it's justified. It's, really, it's not really that big a deal. It's, it's only small. It's really not that bad. Or maybe even, well, I do everything else right. This thing, surely, is, it's, it's fine, it's fine. Everything else, I do right. I think even we can just be very flippant with God's mercy. God's going to forgive me again. It's okay. God's going to forgive me again. It doesn't matter if I keep repeatedly sinning because God will always forgive me. And although that is true, when we are tempted, the devil's lies hide God's holiness. On the other hand, you may feel accused. The devil's lies can accuse you into doubting the depth of God's love for you and the power that he has to redeem, deceiving you so much that you are focused on your guilt and your shame and your insecurities rather than on your saviour, Jesus Christ. You may think that you deserve it, this struggle, this situation. It's a punishment for what you have done or for something that has happened to you, and that is a lie. You might think that you are alone in what you are facing, that no one else in the world possibly feels like you, And especially no other Christian would ever feel this way. That is a lie. 
Um, you may also feel like you are stuck, that God possibly, couldn't possibly change your situation. He has no power in how bad things have got. That is also a lie. So when you are accused, the devil's lies hide God's truth and his power. <clears throat> but good news is, we have a way to deal with it. Um, when I was, I was younger, quite a lot younger actually, and my brother and me, we used to collect and paint Warhammer. I'm not sure if any of you have ever seen these. They're like tiny figurines that you use in kind of miniature tabletop warfare. Um, and I didn't do the battling with them. I just liked doing the painting. Um, but I know for my brother, it was all about collecting and building different armies of different characters, different weapons. Um, and all of these combined had an impact on whether you would win or not. What kind of army had you assembled? Um, and in particular, what armour and weapons your characters had was a big deal. And it was a large determinant of how successful you were going to be. And similarly for us, the weapons and the armour that we have to, to fight this spiritual battle is vital to our success. But the good news for us is that we don't have to buy them, we don't have to search or assemble our own armour for this battle. We are told in Ephesians that God has already equipped us with everything we need to stand firm we just need to put it on. So, what have we got? What are we armed with? And Paul describes them as six different pieces of armour we call the armour of God. So he calls them the armour of God, which is why we call them the armour of God. Um, and number one, the belt of truth. Okay, the belt of truth. I think we might have a slide. But um, if the devil is the father of lies, we stand strong and being firm in the truth of God's word. Um, and in, in Ephesians 1, right at the beginning, we read that God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We've been raised with Christ, we've been seated with him, we've been chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, and sealed with the Holy Spirit. This is the truth that we must remember. And when we are deceived into doubting our identity, our place before our Father, who God is, what his character is, and what his purposes are, we must remember this truth. And it's important to know the word of God well. That is what the Bible says. Be and know it well and be able to apply it to our lives. We have to take time alone and with others to read, to understand, and to meditate on the scriptures regularly and putting on that belt of truth. Number two is the breastplate of righteousness. Apparently it gives you a really good six-pack. <laughs> um, but I don't think that, that's what we should focus on. Um, this armour protects us from accusations that are thrown at us by the enemy. There is no condemnation for us believers because we've been given the righteousness of Christ. Righteousness is, is this idea that uh, you are now good enough to be received by God. It's a gift that is given to us through Jesus' death on the cross. And it's not ever something you could ever earn on your own. So when we feel condemned, like those thoughts of iniquity and shame that you're too bad for God, put on the breastplate of righteousness because our sin is dealt with. We next have some shoes. I don't think they necessarily were trainers, but we'll go with it. Shoes of readiness of the gospel of peace. So one of the, one of the strategies of the enemy is, is to, hinder the work, to hinder the work of God. It's to neutralize Christians in, in, our, in our purpose through distraction and through busyness. And these shoes protect us from, from something called apathy, um, which is having 
a lack of interest or an enthusiasm or a concern for God's kingdom and the commission to tell others the good news of Jesus. We should always be ready to share the gospel which has been entrusted to us. We also need to have our shield of faith. In Hebrews 2, it says, Faith is what will help keep you standing until the end, when you stand before Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And this shield of faith protects, protects us from doubt. Trusting in the character and the promises of God gives us a confidence and a hope that whatever our circumstances may be, we can trust him. And when we feel like God isn't big enough to change our situations, or the situation is just too small that God would care. But he would even provide for us in our struggle. Put up that shield of faith and trust him with all you have. Whether finances or health, your future have faith in God's power and his will for your life. Second to last, we have the helmet of salvation. The devil would love to undermine our salvation and cause us to question what God has done for us. And by keeping in mind the grace that we have received through the cross already, this protects us from these attacks. The good news of Jesus' death and his resurrection on the cross for our salvation gives us the greatest hope that we, we could ever have. So when we're feeling despair or helplessness, remember that hope of your salvation. When you look at the world around you or your purposes and your future, we are to remember the hope we have by putting on that helmet of salvation. And finally, we are told we, are, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. And as we are filled with the Spirit and living in his power, the word of God brings truth and it brings freedom to the core of our very being. It's a weapon that can be used to destroy the crafty works of the enemy. We won't only see ourselves protected, we can also push back the kingdom of the enemy. And um, although this is quite a long list, perhaps, or maybe you're familiar with the list, six of them, did you notice the nature of this equipment that we're given? Um, if you were playing a video game, I can imagine once you've selected all these to put on, the little stats box would come up next to your character and you would be a defence expert. Um, five out of six of these pieces of, of, of armour are pieces of armour that we're given. They're defensive. We only need to stand in this armour and let the sword of the Spirit do the fighting for us in our minds and in our hearts. Um, and this is how we are armed in Christ. So who are we armed against? We're armed against that daily spiritual battle with the enemy who seeks to hinder God's plans in the world and for his people by tempting and accusing them of things that just aren't true. But what are we armed with? Well, we have a belt, a breastplate, shoes and a shield, a helmet and a sword. But in reality, we have the firm foundation of truth that through Jesus, we are made righteous. We have a wonderful hope in our salvation that we can trust God entirely in every situation and that we are prepared to share this good news to advance his kingdom on earth. And that through remembering and putting on these things daily, and we do have to put them on, we no longer need to struggle, to wrestle, to exhaust ourselves in these battles with the enemy. We need only to stand firm in what God has already given us. And let the sword of the Spirit, God's word, fill us up and change us so that we may be able to fight these battles 